Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are continuing our series in the book of Ephesians called Little by Little, Finding Your Identity in Christ. And I love this. I love that we're growing so much in this. I hope that you've been encouraged and strengthened by this. I hope the Lord's been speaking to you as we take chunks of this uh, book apart. Little by little, I hope that we're growing. We're finding our identity in Christ. And uh, my prayer is that at the end of all of this, we will know who we are and we'll take this city by storm because this city needs to know Jesus. And so um, as we know him better, I think we'll know who we are in Christ and and it's going to be exciting. And so uh, we're, uh, this message is called Trusting the Guarantee. One of the greatest guarantees that we have as Christians is that God always keeps his word. God makes great promises and even great guarantees to us, and he's always faithful to keep them. You know, I don't know about you, but this last week for me, it was a little hard. Spiritually speaking, it was a little hard. I felt like I was in a battle. Uh, Physically speaking, I had some uh, sleepless nights as well. And maybe you're the same way. Maybe you came today and you had a little bit of a spiritual battle or you're having a physical battle right now. And you need to be reminded of some of God's promises to you today. I was reminded of a few. In fact, Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I needed to hear that this week. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I love what Jesus says in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. There's a promise from Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. But here's the greater promise. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And I love what 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. See, I love the promises of God. God is not faithless like we are. He is so faithful. And I needed to hear that this week, and maybe you needed to, but let me just say, can I get a good amen for God's faithfulness and his promises in his word? Because the reality is sometimes we make promises, right? We have the best intentions of keeping those promises, but for one reason or another... We often fail to keep those promises. And it reminds me that there isn't much in this life that's guaranteed. We're not guaranteed health, wealth, prosperity this side of heaven. See, in a split second, you could have a job today and be jobless tomorrow. You could have health today and you could be sick tomorrow. You could have made money in the stock market this week (laughs) and make absolutely nothing next week. Even if you buy something from a salesman and it says he guarantees it 100%, we all know that there's terms and agreements and conditions. And if you misuse the product one way or another, it's going to avoid all of that stuff. There are no guarantees. In fact, I've heard it said this way. The only guarantees in this life are taxes and death. Those are the only two guarantees in this life. But see, when life feels like it's falling apart, we long for a guarantee that things will get better. See, in the Bible, we're promised great things. We read some of those promises. And God even guarantees us huge things for our future. And that's kind of the point of these four verses that we're going to be looking at today. That God has guarantees in Christ. We have those. See, God's great desire for us is to feel secure in his love and in his power. 
Everything else in this life can be unstable. Our health, our family, our jobs, this world could be shaky and unstable. But listen, God wants to remind us that we have guarantees, that we have promises that are in him. And so maybe you're wondering, what are those guarantees? Well, this passage, I think, shows us two guarantees. And the first one is, guarantee number one, we have a hope in our salvation. If you want to look with me, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let's pause right there. What Paul is trying to say is that in Jesus, in him, we have a lot that's guaranteed to us. And if you're ever wondering what those things are, well, basically verse 11 is summarizing verses 3 through 10. So that's all verse 11 is. And he continues to go on in verse 12. And he says, So that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Guarantee number one, we have a hope for our salvation. I love how Paul calls the gospel the word of truth. Coming to Jesus is coming to the truth. It's almost like we're coming to terms with who we are apart from God. So who are we apart from God? Well, the Bible makes it clear that we're all sinners separated from God because of our sin. And the Bible makes it very clear that this is something we all deal with. Romans 3.23 says, for all, not for some, not for a few people, not for a group of people. No, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, God and sin cannot be in the same room together, and that's a problem for us. And I think sometimes when they hear about this, they just think of God as this God who has his arms folded, judging everyone, and kind of has this bad attitude. But that's not the case at all. It's just that in his nature, God is so perfect, he's so holy, that if he comes in contact with sin, the output is wrath. So we can't be in the presence of God like we were created to be. And that's a problem for us because we were created to be in relationship with God. What God created us for, what God created humans for, would be his children, to be in relationship with him, to relate with him, to be close to him, and to be loved by him. So to get close to God, we have to get rid of the sin that's in our lives. And so you might be thinking, well, how do we close that gap? How do we bridge this gap between us and God? Well, God said that the way to deal with this is through the shedding of blood. And so God came to this earth in the form of a man, and his name was Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we should have died. And he rose three days later, conquering sin and death. And because he's not just man, he is God. He paid the price for our sin. And this should get us a little excited today if we've ever tasted and experienced the good news of Jesus. Think about it. Paul talks a lot about the gospel. Paul talks a lot about grace. You might be sitting here today going, well, this is like, we've heard this before. Do you have anything else to say? Is there anything else to share? We've heard this week in and week out. And I think this is a great thing to be reminded of, that we were once lost, separated from God, but yet he had a great love for us that he saved us. We need to be reminded often of that. Paul talks a lot about it. He, his whole life, has been marked by the gospel, the good news, the saving grace on his life. He knew who he used to be and now who he is because of God. He knew what his identity was. 
And I love it too, because anytime Paul talks about the gospel, anytime Paul shares about it, he often then later busts out in some praise. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before, but notice even just here in Ephesians, Paul starts this letter off with praise. We've talked about it. He doesn't start off with sympathy. He doesn't say, hey, Ephesians, here's 10 easy steps to live the best Christian life. He starts off with praise and he's reminding us of who we are. In fact, a couple times, In just these four verses, he talks about to the praise of his glory. Paul's often praising God. So he begins his greeting with praise and he ends it with praise. Paul just cannot stop praising God for the good news of our salvation. And Paul's thinking he's so happy. I think he's praising God that his salvation isn't dependent on him. Today we should celebrate that our salvation isn't dependent on us or any one person, but it's dependent on Jesus. And today, what's really cool is we're going to witness people who have this hope of their salvation. Today, we're seeing this gospel that we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. We're going to, this gospel that we read about, that we've heard about, we're now seeing it preached to our eyes through baptism. We're seeing people who are publicly declaring that they want to go all in for Jesus, that their hope is in Jesus for their salvation. And you might be sitting here and thinking, well, I've already been baptized. I've already seen all of this. So like, what's my part in this? What part do I have to play? Well, it's kind of like Paul's part. Praise. That's your responsibility here. It should awaken our hearts to worship God and thank him for changed lives. Your life has forever been changed because of God's grace and the gospel of truth that you heard. When you believed, you received Jesus. And so we're, we're praising God for changed lives. Here at Awaken, I, as I was studying these verses and as I was kind of thinking about baptism, I was reminded that I think here at Awaken, we do a really great job of celebrating with those who are being baptized. I think it's a really cool opportunity that we, we totally, I think, do praise God really well. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, we don't, here at Awaken, we just don't kind of like golf clap when people get saved and and baptized. We don't just snap away at it and go, oh, this is so great. We don't just sit there with our arms folded going, oh, another person being saved. No, we celebrate and we cheer. In fact, it reminds me of the Bernie Sanders meme that you might have seen going around here. Uh, I asked Caitlin, who's our creative director, to share a few, just in case you don't know who it is. This one I think is really funny, the Sanders. Um, I love that one. And then uh, this one, he's trying to sell Girl Scout cookies. Um, And then I think she was having a little too much fun because then she put him in. (laughs) I don't even know that. I like that he's facing the other way. He's not leading worship for us either. (laughs) But, I, but this is it. Look at this. We're celebrating. We're excited. People are being baptized. We're seeing the gospel preached to our eyes. And there's Bernie Sanders just sitting in the back, not liking any of it. Let's not be like that church. Let's not be like the Bernie Sanders sitting there going, oh, come on. Let's celebrate. Let's praise God. Let's worship him for what he's done. He's changing lives and we witness it. And that's something to praise God for. But I want you to notice something else here. At these set of verses, Paul starts with a pronoun in verse 12. He says we, and then in verse 13, he has a pronoun shift to you. And this pronoun shift, I think, is significant because this is showing us that our salvation isn't just for one group of people. Yeah, it was for the Jews and for the people who were living in Paul's time. It was for them, but it's showing us that we also are invited to this as well. 
It's showing us that Jesus died for all people who would believe in him. And maybe you're here today and you need to have a shift in your own life. Maybe you need to go from me to he. Maybe you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. And I would say today, make today the day that you turn from your sins, that you turn to Jesus for his forgiveness and for his redemption. That's guarantee number one. Guarantee number two, God has sealed you with a promise. Continuing in verse 13, it says, In him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Guarantee number two, God has sealed you with the promise. So the way that we know that we're going to inherit everything that God has promised to us is because we are sealed and we have a guarantee of our inheritance. See, this imagery of being sealed is a little lost on us today. But in Paul's time, it would have made a lot of sense. Because the king would validate a, a letter or a package that he was sending by sealing it. And so on that package or on that letter would be like this little dollop of hot wax. And he had a ring with a particular engraving on it. And he would press his ring into that wax, sealing it. It's like a more legit version of a person's signature today. But here's what I love about that. Is that the king could never take it back. So let's just say that he made a law. He couldn't take it back and be like, oops, just kidding. Didn't mean to that to be in law. If he sent you a gift, he couldn't be like, I need to take that back. Once he sealed it, it was forever into law or that person's gift. And the same is true today. What we're witnessing with our eyes is people being sealed, having God's imprint on their life. We're seeing a visual representation of God saying, hey, guess what? I can't, I'm not going to take back my salvation. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. You're going to be sealed and preserved to receive an inheritance, and that is an eternity with me. Baptism seals the gospel truths. And we're seeing that preached to our eyes today. And the truth of the gospel is that we've been forgiven. We have a new identity and a new life in Christ. As they feel the water, as the people here in a few minutes feel the water, as they get wet and they hear the splash and they might see the water running down their face, it's almost in that moment God's saying to them, what Jesus did for you on that cross is as real as the water that you're feeling. But not only are they being sealed, but there's a guarantee that's being talked about as well. And this guarantee is what you and I would call a down payment. A financial guarantee that that person you interacted with was good for the transaction. So Paul uses this imagery, sealed and guaranteed. How God guarantees us of everything that we are to receive through Jesus. We can confidently have an inheritance in him. And that inheritance is a hope for salvation and a hope of eternity with him. We could put it another way. Sometime in the future, Jesus is going to be physically present with us. But until that day, God is giving us the Holy Spirit. He's reminding us of our inheritance that we're going to receive. If you wanted to summarize verse 14, you could say that the Holy Spirit is a down payment on your life. To remind you this, that God means what he says, and he says what he means. The Bible promises that if you're saved, if you've turned from your sins and you've turned to Jesus, that one day you're going to spend all of eternity with him. You're going to spend your entire existence in life with Jesus. And God's like, hey, just in case you ever doubt this, in case you ever forget of my love 
or the promises that I've made to you. Just in case you doubt, if I mean what I'm truly saying, I'm going to give you this down payment and it's my Holy Spirit. Think about it this way. If you were into out to go buy a new car, what would you do? You notice the car, you drive into the dealership and you'd be like, hey, I need to buy this car. And they would say, great, let me do a credit check on you. And so they would check to make sure you can afford the car. And then after they do that, they're going to say, well, I need a down payment. And you might think, well, I don't want to give a down payment. But we all know that you can't be very serious about buying this car unless you give a down payment. In good faith, if you want to buy that new car, you need to put down a deposit. And it's the same thing with God. He's saying, hey, I've redeemed you. I've purchased you. You are my possession. You are my son or my daughter. And you're going to be with me in heaven. And to let you know that I mean business, to mean what I'm saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is proof of your salvation to you and to the world. And the Holy Spirit is a seal that protects you and preserves you until you're in the presence of God in heaven. But you might be sitting here today and you might be thinking, well, how do I know if the Spirit is present in my life? What's the proof of that? Because when I gave my life to the Lord early on in my life, I struggled with those thoughts. I struggled with, am I truly saved? I struggled with having confidence if I really made the correct decision, I did it the right way. I spent most of my early Christian life fearful that I had done something wrong and that I hadn't done it right. I remember thinking, how am I supposed to know that I'm really saved or not? And there were times that I remember that I had sleepless nights, worried that if I were to die, I may not wake up in the presence of Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you struggled with the same thing. Maybe you're wondering, am I truly saved? Did I do all the right things? Listen, if that's you today, let me just say, if you've, received, if you've heard the gospel the salvation, the good news of Jesus. You've turned from your sins. You've repented of those. You've received forgiveness. Then this is the promise. You are sealed with the guarantee of your inheritance for your salvation and the hope of heaven. Jesus has saved you and one day he will come back and take you home with him. That's a guarantee and that's the promise. See, life isn't full of guarantees. And sometimes it feels like we're guaranteed more pain, hardship, suffering than anything else, right? But I hope today that in these four verses, you're going to see that you have guarantees and God will never fail to keep those. See, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere in Paul's letters does he ever write saying, hey, I'm going to promise you this easy life. Paul never promised that we would somehow get a shortcut around tears and sadness and hardships. Remember, Paul is not writing this letter in a resort drinking some drinks and enjoying some time on the beach, taking in the sun, writing this little letter. No, he's writing this chained to a Roman guard in a Roman prison cell awaiting his death. He knows. He knows about pain. He knows about suffering. He knows about hardships. And I think the point that he's trying to tell us today is that in Christ, we have guarantees that this life isn't all that there is. And maybe for you, that's some of the best news and the most encouraging news you've heard in a while, that this life isn't all that there is. See, as unstable as our world is, one thing is absolutely sure and certain. And Jesus said it when he said this, I give you eternal life and you will not perish. And no one, no one 
will snatch them out of my hand. That's the encouragement for us today. That's the good news for us today. But how often do we forget that? See, we all have this problem. We remember things we should forget, and we forget things we should remember. Paul wants us to remember that this life isn't all that there is. But in Christ, you are sealed and guaranteed with a promise forever. Amen? Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.